Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. Let's give a hand to our kids team. Loving that. Um, Bobby didn't you know, wake up a year ago, but like, hey, I'm going to be a YouTuber, but they're crushing it, loving that. Uh, welcome to Princeton, if you're online watching, in Surrey online, maybe you're in Manitoba. And we just prayed for you. I'm just teasing. It's probably really cold in Manitoba. Or if you're in the room, good to see you today. Uh, if you're new to Horizon with all the craziness going around, we're at church in Surrey, in Princeton, online, and even on demand on a Wednesday morning at 9.57 a.m. You could be watching church. It's true. Uh, if you don't know me, my name's Daniel. Uh, and we're super excited to be here today. Pastors Craig and Shanda, uh, they are taking a week to be away on vacation, which is fantastic. Uh, they've been in Tofino, Uculet, uh, on the West Coast, the Best Coast. In college, I had a lot of people who were from the East Coast, so I'd say that and get a rivalry. And everyone here is like, yeah, dude, we live on the West Coast. Like, we get it. So that joke failed. Awesome. We're off to a great start. Um, but they're there, so we'll be praying for them. They'll be here back next week. Uh, we got something special. It's going to be great. Um, yeah, we started a series last week called Following Jesus. Uh, I find that this has been a, a conversation that I've been talking about a lot uh, in the last seven months as we begin to look at, and for most of us who, who would believe in Jesus and would have gone to church before, we've had to answer the question of what does it mean to follow Jesus as we've lost or things have changed in one of the main aspects of following Jesus for a lot of us, which is church. You know, for a couple months you didn't have church, but like, well, I follow Jesus, what does that mean? I go to church. And then you didn't go to church, you're like, oh, well, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Uh, trying to figure that out. And then there's parts that may be like, oh, this is great. And other parts I know for myself, so I reflect, I'm like, Ugh, I need to grow in this area. Um, and so we've just been looking at, man, what does it mean to follow Jesus, really? Like, what are those? And Pastor Craig kicked it off last week by looking at um, the beginning of the Gospels. We see a guy named Simeon who's, who's waiting. We don't like to wait, but the Holy Spirit uses that. And then the Holy Spirit begins to move, and so... Some of us don't like waiting. Some of us don't like moving. I'm a youth pastor, so I deal with a lot of people that don't like moving. Uh, out of bed on time, anywhere you tell them to go. Youth, sometimes they like just to sit. Life will happen, I'll just watch it. Uh, not all of them, just some of them, maybe just when they're tired. But we're called to wait for the Holy Spirit. We're called to move as we follow Jesus. And the goal is actually to encounter Jesus. Whether that's here on a Sunday, whether that's at home. And we're going to jump into week chapter 2. Um, but have you ever been in a, maybe a meeting at work, uh, if you work at the church, I know it never would have been here, uh, or maybe a conversation, say, with a, a husband or a wife or a family member where something was said in this meeting, and everyone in the meeting could very clearly articulate what was said, but also everyone in that meeting leaves with a very different understanding of what was said and what it actually meant, right? Like you say, hey, we're going to go there. And everyone said, okay, what, what did he say? We're going to go there. But you think there's Walmart. You think there's Fred Meyer. You think they're all over the place. Me and my wife, uh, Katie, who's on the island right now with my mom and dad and little Zoe, um, 
I feel now I should probably tell you why. It's a little bit awkward that I got that far, but not. My sister-in-law, she has a baby shower, so they're there for that. You didn't need to know it, but now you know why she's there. Um, but uh, so when she got married into, she didn't, no one in her family hunted. And now my family, we, we had a lot of hunters. We, it's part of our kind of our lifestyle. It's what we've always done. Uh, we appreciate getting our own meat and just being in outdoors, all of that stuff. Now, when we got married, Katie knew that I hunted. I said, hey, I, I hunt. Great. And then we moved to Canada. We had a conversation. I said, hey, like, I'm probably going to hunt because in the States, it's a little bit more difficult for me as a Canadian. But, I, you know, I hunt and Jason's there. And so we're going to hunt. And she says, awesome. That's great. I, I think it's okay if you, if you hunt. Now, both of us would have come to the conclusion that coming into the next season, I was going to hunt. And she even went further. So, so wh- like, can you hunt whatever? I'm like, no, no, no. Hunting season is from September to December 10th. She goes, okay, great. So during that time, you will hunt. Said, yes. During that time, I'll hunt. <laughs> great. Same understanding, same page. And then one time she, she called her text me at work. She goes, I, I think there's some fraudulent activity on our credit card around August. I was like, oh no, what's going on? She goes, there's some excessive charges to a place called Cabela's. And I said, no, no, we agreed on this. I'm going to hunt. She goes, yeah, we said you'd hunt, but what does that have to do with Cabela's? I was like, well, well, you can't hunt without stuff. And she said, okay, and so this, and and then also, she's like, okay, when you hunt, do you always get something? I said, well, not the way I do it. Um, <laughs> so sometimes you wait, sometimes you get something, sometimes you don't. She said, okay, so sometimes you get something, sometimes you don't. Good. I'm going to hunt. Sometimes you get something, sometimes you don't. Okay, cool. That's, that's good of you and this and that. And I remember the first time I went on a trip and hunted, well, hiked, and <laughs> came back empty-handed. And she was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, and I'm like, yeah, you know, next time. She goes, yeah, next time, next year. I was like, no, next weekend. And see, she had an understanding that Hunt was singular. But my understanding of Hunt was every weekend from September to December 10th. She was wondering why I was making so many family days in July and August and cleaning the house, making sure everything was ready. I was preparing for winter, which meant hunting. You see, you can have the exact same word. Someone can hear the same thing. I can say I'm going to hunt. She can say I'm going to hunt. But there's a much different understanding as to what it means, what the cost is. How uh, is this a small thing? Is this a big thing? I can't help but look at someone else in the room who I may or may not be responsible for her husband getting involved in hunting. And and I'm seeing a head nod in this idea of, oh, that's what it meant when hunting uh, was involved. But as we look to a passage in John chapter 8, we look at following Jesus, I think there's a bit of a misunderstanding as to what we all say, but what is actually meant by it. You see, if you want to put a title on notes today, you can say a little misunderstanding. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus realizes in the middle of kind of interacting with some religious people and there's other followers around, around this idea of what it meant to follow him. What it actually meant to be a disciple. And he realizes that they were all saying, I believe in you and I follow you. But everyone had a pretty different understanding. Some didn't realize the cost. Some didn't realize the time commitment. And others didn't really realize the purpose. So in the middle of what's going on, Jesus stops. And he begins to clarify what he means when he invites us to come and follow him. 
And I think that's really important for us to contemplate, to stop, to realize is when Jesus invites you to follow him into this beautiful relationship that changes everything, he actually has some very specific details in mind. I think sometimes they go, oh, I just follow and believe, and, and oh, we'll jump into it. It's awesome. So if you got your Bibles, John chapter 8, I think it's going to be on the Sky Bible. Uh, actually, it's probably like right here below me. Beautiful technology. Oh, look at that. Yeah, John chapter 8. I'm never going to get to do this again. The tech team's like, you idiot. You're supposed to pretend like it's not there. That's the whole point. Anyways, John chapter 8. Jesus stops, says, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings... You are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anyone. That's a pretty humorous statement if you know the history of the Bible. We'll get into that. Uh, it says, how can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if a son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Now I want to take a look at some of this because I think it actually has a lot to do with what we believe and how we follow Jesus today. And I just want to look at a couple of things. The first statement there um, is believe. It says to the Jews who had believed in him. You see, to believe that Jesus was who he said he was didn't actually mean a whole lot. Like, well, what are you talking about, Daniel. Jesus actually says the, the demons believe and tremble. Almost to say like they actually have taken a step further than some of us. Because sometimes we just believe, and, oh, that's great. They believe and tremble because they understand the significance of it. And so Jesus, he says, he's speaking to Jews who would believe. They believed that he was the Messiah in that day and age. They would have believed that Jesus was sent from God, the Messiah, to throw out the Roman Empire and set up national Israel again. So they, they believed that he was who he said he was. Yet it seemingly, apparently, was not affecting their lives the way that Jesus has thought. He said hunt. They said hunt. But they realized maybe there's a bit of a little misunderstanding as to what hunting meant. See, belief in Jesus should always lead to movement towards Jesus. And it seemed that these Jews had experienced salvation. This moment, I believe Jesus did. I repent that he's, he's come to, to fix in humanity this thing called sin that none of us does, this perfect sacrifice. That's great. And if you were to ask them if they followed Jesus or believed in him, they would have said yes. But this is where the misunderstanding apparently took place. So much so that we see Jesus stopping everything to clarify what he means. When he says, would you follow me? And belief or salvation, there's kind of a two word pictures. And I think this kind of, can kind of help us sometimes. In the, in the Western world, when we think, hey, salvation, when you believe in Jesus, it's like we once, at the beginning of creation, we were in the house with God. We had relationship, things were great. This Eden, things were perfect. This is awesome. Sin came in, kicked us out. We deserved it. Uh, and sin separates us from God. We could never get back in. So now we're outside looking into this house of the kingdom of God and relationship with God. But then Jesus came, who was perfect, and he... He made a way for us, and then he gives us the key. And when we believe, we get to go in the house again. I'm now saved. Like one day, and it's great. And so we think salvation is like this moment where I believe and I'm good. But then for a lot of us, we believe it's great, okay, and now one day I get to go be with Jesus, and it's great. And this idea that experiencing the kingdom of heaven or, or, or the, the culture of heaven is one day once we die is actually a pretty dangerous belief. 
Because Jesus taught us to pray, said, if you want to follow me, your goal in life is that the kingdom of heaven would invade your earth life and in and, and, and your culture and your family through you. That your home, your workplace, everywhere you walk should look more like heaven. We're not called to wait to experience heaven. We're called to usher in the presence of heaven as citizens of heaven. But in this world, we think, okay, I'm outside and I'm in. But Eastern thought process, I love it. It kind of has this picture of someone on a journey. And the moment of belief or the moment of salvation is where you stop following the direction of your own desires, of your self-will, of, of satisfying the happiness of you is the biggest priority in your life. You stop, you understand that Jesus is the way, and you turn. And salvation is the moment of turning, the changing and redirecting the focus of your life. It's not like you're in, no, now you're just walking in the right direction where Jesus and the Holy Spirit begin to lead you. They begin to guide you. And the picture that it points to a lot of us, sometimes we think, oh, I believed in Jesus, I'm in the house, I'm good. But that's not the case. And just like in a journey, you can turn to follow Jesus. Every morning when you wake up, you have the opportunity to turn somewhere else and follow your own desires, to follow your own comfort, to follow your own dreams. So Jesus, he's clarifying this little misunderstanding for those who thought just belief was enough. You see, believing in Jesus is the first step in following Jesus, not the only step. As we begin this series, we want to look at some of this. Secondly, he says, hold to my teaching to be my disciple. Now, Jesus is not like me, thank the Lord. Um, I like things like step one, step two, step three, step four, and that's the order in which you do them. But he's sitting here and he's like, hold to my teaching to be my disciples. So you're like, oh, I got to do this. No, no, Jesus said, hey, if you want to be my disciples... You need to hold to my teaching. So he kind of goes it backwards in the way it's written. It's kind of interesting when you study it. We won't get into it. It'll bore you. Um, but apparently you can't just say you follow Jesus. You actually, like you got to do what he teaches. Because crazy, I know. I know no one in this room or online would ever do this. But apparently there was people that thought like you could just believe in Jesus but you didn't have to like do what he did or like listen to what he taught or like change things. You just had to be like, oh, thanks for that. That's great. Uh, I'll pick and choose some of the things I want, but you're pretty radical with some of this. I know some people get hyped up, but I'm just so thankful I get to be with you one day. See, Jesus says, no, 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 no. Again, in the terms here, we don't use these words, but he was a rabbi. He was a teacher. And he wasn't, and this isn't just to a Christian faith, but that was all around. There was rabbis and there was disciples, those who followed him. And Jesus, he said, hey, I'm a rabbi. If you want to be my disciple or my follower, that's where that term comes from. He's like this apprentice under Jesus. If you want to follow me, we see in the beginning of the New Testament that he comes to Peter and John. And he says, come and follow me or come be my disciples. And so these people are believing in Jesus. They want to follow. He says, hold on. If you want to follow me, you don't just get the benefits. Like there's actually, there's something more to this. There's something you're called to do. And we're going to talk about this uh, two sides of the road of following Jesus in these ditches. And, and I feel like we can err to the left if we're not careful. And we follow Jesus for the things that he can give us. The blessings. Maybe the last six months, COVID has been really hard on you. And you're like, man, I just need to follow Jesus because there's hardship and this and that. And does Jesus care about it? Absolutely. We heard that. But that can't be the focus of following Jesus. Or maybe COVID hasn't really changed anything in your life. Life's good. Family's good. You're kind of, oh, that's great. It's good. And, and following Jesus is kind of like, oh, I mean, it's good. Like, I know I couldn't take care of my sin one day, but I followed him. That's great. And we think that Jesus died to take care of our future one day. And until then, I'll just be a good moral person. I'll, um, 
you know, just, hey, I'll go to church, I'll do some religious duties, but he kind of, uh, he's done, and that's good. And the right side where we don't really engage in the day-to-day because life's good, and we can live a good life, we try not to sin, and that's, that's good. But I think somewhere in between is actually what it means to follow Jesus. See, Jesus is trying to make sure that there was no understanding what it meant to believe or follow him. He clarifies what it means to follow him or to be a disciple. And I love this because I think in, in church today we get this like, oh, are you a Christian? Yes. And then we use this word disciple and we somehow think that disciple is reserved for the intense people. Right? Like, oh, you're a pastor. You're, you're a disciple or you're a leader. But I just became Jesus. I'm not a disciple yet. And see, we, we have this thing where I can just believe in Jesus and be a follower, or I believe it, I'm a Christian, or actually like follow Jesus, or oh man, I'm a disciple. And that just wasn't the case. Jesus said, hey, if you believe in me, follow me. That meant to be my disciple. So if you believe in Jesus today, that you've invited him, you are a disciple of Christ. Like there's no middle ground. That's what we're called to. That's what following Jesus means. But he qualifies what it means to be his disciple. And this word here, to hold to, our other translation said, if you abide in my teachings. Now this word, you see it all throughout the Bible. If you abide in me, I abide in you. To hold on to, to grasp, to don't lose. In this word, it holds this word picture of standing your ground against opposition. Have you ever noticed that no one's ever told you like, oh, hold on to your arm so you don't lose it. (laughs) Right? Like, No, no, it's there. There's no potential to like just, oh, I dropped it. Oops, I forgot my arm there. Because it's there. No, on the contrary, somebody hey, don't lose your temper, don't lose your head. You're cool. Why? Because you might have a natural proclivity to lose your temper. The natural inclinations might be to do so, so you're directed not to. And so Jesus says, abide, to hold, to, it's this picture of standing against the tide. And maybe on the West Coast where waves are coming in. And he says, listen. Your human nature and your natural inclinations are going to be to allow whatever's coming to you to pull you away from the thing I'm asking you to stand firm in. He says, abide, to hold. Why? Because the natural response would be to let go of. It's not going to be easy. He says, if you want to be my disciple, there's things that you're going to have to stand in. You're going to have to hold on to. You're going to have to be firm. He says, would you abide in my teachings? It's not just hold the Bible, but teachings. See, we can't forget, again, that Jesus was a rabbi. And we think teachings, we know we said, because some translation says his word. So, great, I got to read his Bible. I got to know his Bible. Great. I know a lot of verses that I've yet to figure out how to obey. And I think for those who've been in church, our biblical knowledge far outweighs our biblical obedience. We are educated way beyond our obedience. And you see, following or understanding, holding to his teachings wasn't just being able to regurgitate some childhood uh, Sunday school verses or understanding the context of scripture. You see, as a rabbi, what his teaching included was what was written down for sure. He would have had something or teachings that would have been around his neck. Uh, most Jewish rabbis that was actually called his yoke. And these were some of his teachings that we teach from time to time. So when Jesus says, hey, come to me, my yoke is easy. My teachings, they're easier than the law. They don't weigh you down. My burden is light. There's some wordplay going on there. So his written teachings for sure. It was also oral teaching. There would have been way more oral communication than was written down. So when Jesus says, hold to my teaching, he says, everything that I've said, don't just know what Matthew 6.33 says. Understand that that's what's called. You're supposed to hold that to your life. To seek first the kingdom of God. It's great to, to, to recite it. It's another thing to say, that's going to be the primary focus of my life and everything that I'm going through. When I'm caused to worry, I'm not going to allow worry to pull me away. I'm going to hold tightly to the teachings and the life of Jesus. And lastly, it was the written word. 
his oral communication, but most importantly, it was his example. Friends, I think it's important to know that it's impossible for you to follow Jesus on your own. Like you lack the ability and the strength to follow Jesus the way that he describes. How do I know that? Because Jesus couldn't do it. Hear me out. Jesus was, the Bible talks about he was fully man and fully God. Now on earth, if he operated and just kind of turned the God switch on, his sacrifice on the cross wouldn't have worked for us. On earth, he lived as a man. And we see that at the beginning of his ministry, the Father comes and the Holy Spirit comes and empowers him and rests upon him. And so what Jesus did, he didn't do as God, he did as a man empowered by all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The only difference between you and I is Jesus operated in all the gifts. You and I have partial ones. That's why we're called the body. And he's the head. And when you bring your gift and you bring your gift, that's when we see that you'll do greater things than I did. See, Jesus wasn't playing with us when he said that. He intended us to live empowered by the Holy Spirit, operating in the gifts of the Spirit, so that we could do what he did in greater things. And so we see that Jesus, the example of his life, is also his teaching. What do I mean by that? He'd do these big things. He's going around. The crowds are coming and it's busy. What did he do? He gets away from the crowd. He takes a Sabbath. He gets alone to be with the Father. Because he understands that's the most important thing. That's where his power comes from. That's where, he said, that's where he's following the will of his Father. So it's not just to know that. It's just, man, that's the example. We see the patterns and the practices of Jesus hold incredible power for how you and I can partner with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to see change in our lives. You're struggling with addiction. You're struggling with anxiety. You're struggling with whatever it is. We see that the patterns and the habits of Jesus' life. There's power in that. He stops. I only do what I see the Father doing. Don't just know that verse. Understand how to live that verse. Jesus is saying, you're saying hunt and I'm saying hunt, but we're not thinking the same thing. So if you want to be my disciple, you got to follow me. you got to hold to my teachings, not just what's written in a book to understand and regurgitate it. But looking at what was written, what Jesus spoke, the kingdom of God, the culture, the way he lived his life and say, Holy Spirit, would you help me to live that way? Would you help me to live free of anxiety? Again, these are the things that a lot of people on the left, they, they want Jesus, blessings from Jesus. Like, man, Jesus, would you come to me and help me with all these things that we hear about the kingdom of God where there's justice, there's no pain, there's peace, there's wholeness, there's prosperity, all these things. Like, that's fantastic. And those are things that happen that you find along the road as you follow Jesus. But there's also times when you follow Jesus where he leads you through the valley of the shadow of death, where things aren't great. And if you follow Jesus for the blessings, you'll leave him when they're gone because you were there for the blessings and not for the person. Jesus says, would you follow me? Hold to my teachings. If we're called to follow in the foots of Jesus, he was crucified by those he came to save. He was abandoned by those closest to him. Yet his father never abandoned him. And the promises and the words of God never failed. Even in the midst of death, he was raised back to life and ushered in this new reality that we live in. You see, Jesus removes any space for us to believe that I can simply believe without it affecting my everyday life. Following Jesus is a dynamic journey. It is not a static belief. And lastly, it says to know the truth and it will set you free.
So you, then you'll know the truth. The truth will set you free, free. See, the Jews had another misunderstanding here where they say, like, what are you talking about? We're children of Abraham. We've never been enslaved. And conveniently forgetting their bondage to Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome. Uh, currently, all the things where they were enslaved to. But see, they had this pride, like, no, 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 we're child, children of Israel. We weren't bought. That's just circumstances. But you see, they misunderstood what Jesus was saying. Like so often we say, Jesus comes to make my life better. We have a picture of what that looks like. When Jesus says he wants to free you, he clarifies what it means. I'm not talking about your natural bondage. I'm talking about your slavery to sin. And in this, we see our bottom line that the goal of following Jesus is not to simply be free from the penalty of sin once we die, but it's to be free from the power of sin as we live. It is both. It is, yes, one day we will get to be with Jesus, but the damage and the power of sin, you don't need to live always under slavery to that. Now, it's not I say a prayer and it's done, and oh, I never sinned again. You can say a prayer here and you can show someone your tall finger out there while you're driving. That happens. But Jesus said, listen, as you learn to follow me, as you learn to abide in my teachings, not just understand it, but walk in it, you're going to be freed from that power of sin that the Holy Spirit, as you partner with him in the practices of Jesus and how he lived his life and the teachings, the Holy Spirit begins to transform your desires and the grip of sin and your flesh begins to loosen on your life. You learn to follow the Holy Spirit. That's what's available to us. You don't need to, that's just how I am. Yeah, I was born a sinner. Thank God Jesus didn't live me that, leave me that way. Just because you were born that way, just because your family was that way, when you follow Jesus, there's new realities available to you and to me through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit as we follow him. And it's not just a no understanding. So this word no is gnosko in the Greek. And it means not just to intellectually understand, but to experience intimately and then understand someone. This word is used for when Adam knew Eve and they had a child. That's not just knowledge. There's some experience that happened there. And Jesus' desire for you and I is not that we know about him, but through experience and encountering, as we talked through last week, the waiting, the moving is to an encounter that we would know through our experience the truth. What is the truth? Jesus. And as we learn to experience and know and encounter Jesus, we begin to get freed from the tyranny of sin in our lives. Yes, he brings wholeness and healing and blessings, all of those things. That's part of it. And yes, one day you will get to live in eternity with Jesus. We usher into that moment. But please don't forget, it's not just about one day. It's not just about today. It's about learning how to usher in the realities of the kingdom of heaven into your life today and tomorrow. That we learn to follow Jesus, not just believe in Jesus. And we see that, says, if you know the truth, the three goals of any disciple to a rabbi was this. And this was any, any disciple, any Talmudim would be the Greek word. Three goals is to be with their rabbi. And as you learn to be with him enough, you learn to actually be like your rabbi. And once you are with him and you're like him, you soon learn to do what he did. And as followers of Jesus, 
it doesn't just mean going after the blessings. It doesn't mean just taking care of one day. It means learning to be with him. Jesus' life, his teaching, and his example was a roadmap to learn to be with the Father. That today, if you don't know Jesus, there's a possibility. Yes, Jesus died on the cross, and he can forgive your sins, and one day you get to be with him when you die, absolutely. But today, what's available to followers, the freedom that God talks about, is that we get to encounter him. We get to be with him. And as we learn to be with him, we start to actually be like him. And then we actually learn to be empowered not to sin anymore. So Jesus says, when you know through experience to be with, to be like, to do what he did, you learn to be free from this power of sin in your life. You don't need to walk in bondage. You don't need to walk the way your parents did. You don't need to walk in the, in the mistakes and the pain that you're currently in. That Jesus says, if you follow me, it's different. Elena, if you want to jump up on the keys. See, this is what Jesus meant. So if you want to believe and follow me. See, Jesus takes a moment to clarify forever what it means to come and follow him. Now, I want to be clear, you got to understand, yes, there's incredible things about following Jesus. But I had a friend named Brian growing up, and Brian was rich. He was the rich kid who had all this stuff. Brian was also a jerk. <laughs> but we were nice to Brian because he had motorbikes, a trampoline, and a boat, and a big movie theater. And I think in the road of following Jesus on the left, if we're not careful, we'll follow Brian. We don't like what he's asking us to do, but we sure like the benefits. So we'll do our list of religious duties to keep him happy so that we can still get the benefits that he brings. Or maybe the others, it's not, your life isn't in turmoil, you're not doing this, you're actually doing pretty good and you can come to the conclusion that I follow Jesus because I want to take care of one day, but the reality is right now, you're not just meant to understand that Jesus was good, you're meant to encounter him daily where you go, where you walk, what you do. Your workplace is most, meant to look more like heaven. Your family, more like heaven. When you wake up in the morning, you have a choice. Am I gonna follow Jesus or my comfort? Am I gonna follow Jesus or my culture? Am I gonna follow Jesus or my coworker? What is it in your marriage, these areas where Jesus desires to lead you? He's got something for you. He's not distant. He didn't just wind this thing up, say, hey, I took care of your sin. I'll see you one day. He's involved. He wants to be close. He wants to know you and you to know him. He wants to teach you things that you can only learn through experience with him. You won't read it in a book, but the Holy Spirit comes through a rhema word to speak to your spirit and your soul and your situation where you get Dottie back. I never read about Dottie in the Bible, but God cares through experience about the little things that we walk. He brings us close. And so today I just want to pray for two people if you want to close your eyes. Maybe you're watching online today. And you maybe heard a little bit about Jesus, but you're like, man, there's a God who actually wants to walk with me. He wants to free me from brokenness, from hurt, from pain, from regret. He cares about me. See, Jesus loved this crowd enough to clarify, listen, there's so much more for you than simply believing. I desire you to walk with me, to follow me, to be in fellowship with me. So maybe if you're in the room or you're online, you say, man, Dan, I, I realize I just kind of believed about Jesus, but I actually haven't been following him. I haven't engaged in reading the word and in prayer, the, the disciplines, the lifestyle that Jesus lived to actually follow him. I've just kind of just believed about it. 
If that's you and you say, Daniel, I want to start following Jesus today. It's been, dyna- it's been static, but I know it needs to be dynamic. So first, if, if you've never invited Jesus into your life, I'm simply just going to pray. And, and you can, under your own breath, if you're in the room or you're online, you can pray this prayer. And the Bible says we believe in our hearts and our minds that Jesus was who he said he was. He was God. That we were sinful, that we separated ourselves from God with our sin. That Jesus came and lived as a man, a perfect life, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And he died a death that we deserved. He became our sin so that we could actually become the righteousness of God, the Bible says. Which simply means we can turn around. That we're empowered to walk towards Jesus and the purpose that he's called us to. That's you today. You can simply pray, say, Jesus, would you forgive me a sinner? Would you come into my life? And would you teach me to follow you, not just to believe you? As simple as that is, the Bible says this is the beginning. This is the turning point for you. And if you're in this room today, you prayed that, or you're online or watching later, you prayed that, would you do me a favor and just ask someone, hey, what's next? Because again, this is the first step, not the only step. And for us in the room, with every head up, every eye bow, or open, bowed, whatever, and online, whether we're to the left and we're serving Brian, maybe not Jesus, or Jesus is just our retirement plan, so to say, once we die. See, I think we can focus on either. We can miss the main point, and it's Jesus. Like Jesus is the best part of following him. It's him. It's not what he does for us. It's him. It's not what we get to be with him one day. It's him. It's his presence. It's his love. It's his closeness. It's him. And if you're here today, you realize that, man, I, I've been stagnant. The last six months, COVID's either caused me to be like, oh, I'm good, or oh, man, my life's in, in, the, in the ditch, and I don't know what to do. And the reality is we maybe haven't been taking the steps we ought to to follow Jesus. Church changed, our life changed, our whole dynamic of our spiritual disciplines got upheavaled, and we're not sure what to do. And today is a moment to stop, to reorient yourself to Christ and say, Jesus, I need to keep walking. Would you help me abide? Holy Spirit, would you empower me to know your truth? Not just understand it but to know it to experience it Jesus would you lead me tomorrow if that's you why don't you simply pray and how I want to start that prayer is a simple thing that the cross enables us is Jesus I repent oh what are you talking about no 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 thinking that Jesus just took care of our future not engaging that's sin the beautiful thing is Jesus took care of that as followers of Jesus, we say, God, I messed up. So repeat of me, Holy Spirit, I repent of just believing but not following you. Would you teach me what it means to live a life walking in the footsteps of my Savior, to follow him, not just for one day, not just for my problems, but because he's that good. And the direction of my life will be that of following my rabbi, Jesus, my Savior. And as you go out this week, a reminder that the goal of following Jesus is not simply to be free from the penalty of sin when we die. It's actually to empower us to live free from the power of sin as we live. 
As we learn to follow Jesus through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the life we're called to live is so much better, so much more powerful, so much more meaningful than anything you could have imagined. Jesus, we love you. God, I pray that you'd walk with us and teach us tomorrow, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, what it means to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.